0: Hello, and welcome to the Stories About Autism podcast. My name's James, I'm your host, and each week I get to speak to a special guest who will tell me their own story about autism. This is season two, episode three, so if you're a first time listener, please try and go back and listen to some of the other stories. There's some really interesting stuff there from uh, lots of different people who have a connection to autism. Basically, I'm a dad of two boys, Jude and Tommy, and they're both autistic and I write a blog called Stories About Autism. And over the last three years of doing that I've managed to meet and speak with lots and lots of amazing people all over the world who have really helped me learn so much about autism, about my boys, and helped me I guess become the best dad I can be for them. So that's what I try to do here with this podcast is get to speak to different people, let them tell their story and just educate the world a little bit more about autism and hopefully you'll learn something new or maybe look at things a little bit differently. So that means I get to speak to parents of children who are autistic, autistic adults and professionals who work with Autism community, such as teachers, speech and language therapists, occupational therapists, etc. So this week, as I said, uh, season two, episode three. I'm speaking with Mark Carter. Who, when I say these words, you might think, ah, that's who he is. So Mark was behind the Little Blue Cup story, which went viral a couple of years ago. I won't go into too much detail. I'll let him explain that, but. If you remember the Tommy Tippy Little Blue Cup um, was all over social media, then Mark will soon tell you why. Uh, Mark's a dad, a full-time carer, and he has three autistic children. Um, and yeah, he shares what life is like for them, uh, what autism means for each of his children, and what it means for them as a family. I was lucky enough to meet him about six months ago at the BAPS Awards, which some of you who follow me on Facebook and Instagram might remember um, basically BAPS is the Bloody Awesome Parents blogging awards and it's a chance where all different bloggers get together and get to say hello and meet each other and so yeah I was lucky enough to meet Mark there and have a chat and get to know him a bit more in person and yeah I couldn't wait to get him on the podcast because I knew he'd be a really interesting guest. If you haven't done already and you enjoyed this episode, please, when you're finished, could you head over to iTunes and give it a review? Uh, it really helps more people find out about the podcast and I'd love to get your comments and messages uh, on what what you thought about it. It helps me make the podcast better and also just gives me an idea of um, how it's being received. So yeah, please keep that up. I'll be releasing the podcast every week between now and Christmas, so there's lots and lots of exciting guests for you to uh, look forward to anyway here's my chat with Mark I hope you enjoy listening
1: okay Mark hello hi James how are you doing yeah
0: I'm really good thanks how are you yeah good thank you good well thanks for taking the time to uh, join me today and uh, have a chat
1: That's great no worries
0: I've been following you for a while so I, I know a little bit about you and your story but do you want to share for the for the listeners um, a bit about you and your family
1: yeah so I'm Mark I'm 44 I live in uh, mid Wales with my wife Mandy and I've got three children I've got um Sammy's my stepson he's 26 um, he's autistic and has a condition called Soto syndrome and he has learning disabilities and then Ben is 16 and he's autistic severe learning disabilities nonverbal and then my little girl is 13 going on 33 and she's <laughs> she's autistic um, Fairly high functioning, um, learning disabilities, and just little monster all around, really.
0: So it's fair to say your family has a pretty deep connection to autism.
1: Yeah, I've, uh, yeah. <laughs> I know my stuff, I guess.
0: <laughs> okay, so I thought I'd start with like how I first ever heard about, about you and your family, um, okay, and yeah. then sort of go back to the beginning after that. So first I knew, and I'm sure lots of people will go, oh yeah, okay, is... With the little blue cup episode and how that sort of blew up and went viral all across the world, so do you want to tell everyone a bit about that?
1: Yeah, it's um, it's actually two years old any day no now. Way. Is it two years? Yeah, two years. Uh, I think it's the fourteenth or my, something around there. Um, I needed Ben needed a replacement um little blue cup. He uses a Tommy Tippy sippy cup, little two handle cup. Last made um, about fifteen years ago now. Um it, we'd had a couple through his life, but he needed um a replacement quite urgently. We couldn't find one. Ben actually refuses to drink out of anything else and has dehydrated himself on a couple of occasions by choice, just to show how extreme it can be. He went for five days without fluids once before we had to hospitalise yeah. him. Yeah, I couldn't go an afternoon without a drink. I don't know about you. Yeah. But- it's, I've someone um, sitting next he, to me right now <laughs> yeah me too yeah. he just gave up he he had tonsillitis and um, because he associates drink with food he didn't want to eat so he wouldn't drink and um, right. because he wasn't drinking so he just shut down and there's nothing we can we couldn't get any medicine into him because that has to go in via his drink so he wasn't getting better um, hospital didn't want him but doctors said oh he's okay in bed leave him alone and eventually they took him into hospital but it was scary and I didn't want to go anywhere near that again. So I just thought I'll put something on Twitter, which I barely used. I had about 20 followers. And I just thought I'd tweet out reward for a cup like this and a photo. And um, overnight it went viral. I didn't even realize. I was at a carer's event down in Devon the next day, which is where I was living at the time. And um, my brother asked me why I was trending on BBC News. He sent me a text. So like, what? And literally the BBC News website, it was my story, and then Donald Trump from the week before, who just won the <laughs> election. So um it was yeah, a bit surreal really, and then all the phone calls started coming in. We found cups. Over the next few days, we found eighty eight cups around the world. Really? Furthest one came from Australia. And then Tommy Tippy, um, who'd been looking desperately for some stock. Um they announced after a week that they'd um, found the moulds in China and they were going to make Ben 500 new cups.
0: Yeah, I remember which
1: that. Was more than enough to last him for the rest of his life.
0: So, <laughs> so is your house What's just fun? full of Tommy Tippy cups now?
1: No, they, they actually warehouse them for me. I just ring them oh, really? up or email them when I want one and they'll send Brilliant. it down. We tend to replace it every few months so it doesn't wear out, so it doesn't look any different. So when we swap it, it looks exactly the same as the one we got rid of.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, because transitioning to a new cup, he's like, that's not my cup doesn't look the same it's not got the scratches on it and the bite marks he's um he's that pedantic so. yeah <laughs> uh bless him
0: so when well I, I guess obviously he's used that cup pretty much from from when he was able to use the cup right Is that... yeah
1: that's the only cup he's ever used yeah, yeah. wow it's uh yeah quite yeah and I' got a lot of um horrible messages at the time or will drink out of something else a lot of ignorant stuff about o I we'll drink when he's yeah. thirsty. I've got some hate messages and stuff and some horrible stuff, but it's uh, at the end of the day I wasn't doing it for fun if if he would it'd be so much easier just to give him a glass of <laughs> a glass of squash or something yeah you know he's sixteen now, he's sixteen in two weeks, but he wasn't gonna use it. It's just never gonna happen and he he could be poorly, so yeah we uh we searched high and low, and the world came good So
0: it just shows you that the power of the internet at times can be amazing
1: yeah it did some good stuff I mean people were saying it was literally because they wanted a good story after Donald Trump everyone was looking for something good on the internet um, <laughs> yeah good timing I, yeah it was it possibly was and it was um it was a perfect storm it was at the right time it got retweeted by a couple of celebrities it just went viral and all the newspapers wanted to know and all the media wanted to know I just said no to interviews at one point because it was I was getting sort of 10, 15 calls a day, will I be on TV here and there, and I just couldn't possibly do it. I've got to look yeah. after the kids as well. And It all got a bit much emotionally as well. It's quite draining.
0: Yeah, about having to repeat sort of the same story over and over and over. It.
1: Yeah, they all ask exactly the same questions, so
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> nothing new at all. I'll, I'll, I'll try and come up with some new ones today. So. No, I've <laughs> told the story for ages. Yeah, um, and then obviously from that, from finding the, the, the cups for Ben, it sort of transformed into something even bigger didn't it
1: yeah so first of all a dad contacted me and said could i help him sort of go viral so if i knew that i'd, I'd be a very rich person i wouldn't, wouldn't have to worry again um but i'd certainly share it and um shared it around a little bit and because it was still some momentum we found a couple of cups and other parents started coming forward asking for cups and i thought i honestly thought ben was the only person the yeah. only child he needed it this badly and there was a young lad in america who was literally lying in a hospital bed with a drip in his arm um had to be heavily sedated because otherwise he pulled the drip out and he needed a cup very similar to ben's and um i spoke to tommy tippy who said they've got something similar and sent some over and actually that they, they worked but from there it just sort of evolved into a project i want always wanted to make something more of it because I didn't want to, when I was going on television, I didn't want to just talk about Ben and the Cup, even though I'd I'd found some. So I didn't want to keep going on about it. It was the stories out there, people know. I wanted to start talking about autism, and I wanted to start talking about this is why autism's complicated. Yeah. Which is really what it's all about, isn't it? I mean, it's the, the, the biggest story behind this is that there's more to autism than, than it than looks like on the surface. And so I registered little blue cup which i thought had a bit of a ring to it and was also quite unique and when you search for it everything just comes up on the front page of google which is quite handy um (laughs) and yeah it just sort of i set up a facebook page and started helping people and first of all there was one person a week coming through and then two and then ten and we now help probably five to ten people a day is it Um, many wow we don't most of the searches don't ever get to the main page because we find we've got a team of 60 people who behind the scenes, um, we've got a private group and we put the items in there and they'll go out and search around the world in their their own favorite places with their own search terms and they'll find the items in places you wouldn't expect to look. And we're really successful at that. And then every now and then we'll hit a stumbling block. So we make that one go to a full search and we'll put that up on the page and we ask our 33 34,000 followers if they'll help at all and all we ask them to do is share because everyone's going i haven't got one of those in the cupboard well we don't yeah. expect to but if everybody shared it 10 times or to, to 10 people and they all shared it to 10 people you can see the power can't you yeah um and it's always somebody's friends friends who's got it they'll pop up they don't follow us but they've got i've just seen this on my timeline i've got one of those for them and they're really excited and they then join in and they they want to share it and that's how it happens and that's as simple as the project is, it's very cheap to run. It's very low maintenance and it it changes lives. It's really sweet. I mean, some of the things we do, we find teddies, a lot of blankets, which is quite a strange thing. But I suppose a lot of kids have like a, um, you know, a blanket or a corner, whatever they call them when they're little and they don't get over that and they keep it. A lot of toys because um, obviously they break. And if it's an older toy, you can't find it anymore. Um, some of our children just want that same toy, don't they? Yeah. And yeah, we we're pretty pretty good at it, really. And it's it's a lovely little project now, and it's got a bit of um bit of fame behind it, and always helps. So yeah, it's good.
0: No, it's fantastic. It's such a it's something that you wouldn't think of. Like you said, you know, it no. shows that autism is a bit more complex than people realize. Like, like you know, f- for for Jude and Tommy, there isn't anything that they're that obsessed by that. If it breaks yeah. or it goes, then we can pretty much get over it and move on. But yeah. obviously, for, for many people, it's not like that.
1: Yeah, and it's possibly partly because you're good at making sure they don't get into too much of a routine with one single item because that's not healthy. Um, yeah, if, I, if they, I wouldn't. If like they to just use one cup yeah. forever, you know, that's it's not a good thing. Um, Ben's was by accident. We if we thought about it at the time, we would have changed it every week when he was little. But yeah. you don't think of that, do you? No, of course not.
0: And. Um, Especially sometimes you're just happy that they're drinking.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And
0: I mean, I don't know if it ever was for Ben, but I know, you know, for lots of families, it is just however you get a drink inside them, then that's great. And I guess after years and years, it just becomes a habit and a routine.
1: Yeah, I mean, we get people saying, oh, we shouldn't be using a baby cup. You know, what's he got to do with you? At the end of the day, he drinks. And yeah, somebody saw him for the first time, he looks funny. He's a he's six foot tall now and he uses his tiny little blue cup he does look <laughs> he does look funny and it's absolutely fine that's what he is and he loves he loves it but uh, it's the only way he'll drink um, we have to fill it up 50 times a day because it's so small <laughs> but it's uh, yeah it's a it's a lovely little project but yeah. you wouldn't have thought to go and set it up you wouldn't think i know what i'll do i'll go and set up a project to help people with disabilities find things that they might have might never find anywhere else but just it was all a, a lovely accident really yeah
0: no it's fantastic all right so as i said that that's sort of how i first ever found out about you and ben and i have obviously got to know you a little bit since then so let, let's go back to the beginning um i mean you said you, your stepson is autistic right so was yeah. that sort of your first experience of autism did you know anything about it before then or
1: i, I knew very little about it my um i met mandy when sammy was six and she, you know, she said he's autistic and we met and he's a, a fantastic kid and we got on really well. And I kind of immediately got, you know, we got together pretty quickly. It was, we were right for each other. And I very quickly got into this routine of fighting social services and schools and all the battles that we have. Yeah. But I, I didn't have the, the slow introduction to it. Suddenly he needed to go to school and schools were saying no. And it was like, right, okay, battle time. <laughs> just. Quite an odd way to get into autism, uh, get to know about autism, if you know, really. But it was um I'd, – I'd heard of it. I hadn't really come across anybody. I'd seen Rain Man like everybody else. Yeah. And I didn't have any real preconceptions of it because I just didn't think about it. I was mid-20s and didn't really pass me much thought. But no, he was a, an amazing kid. And um he still is. He's a great lad, but his needs are complicated. Um He's, he's able to talk we can't stop him talking most days um (laughs) he's he's got a condition called soto syndrome which is related to giganticism um and he's got a cyst on his brain that has to be monitored um he's he's always been a big lad so at sort of 10 years old he was approaching six foot yeah which has meant everyone wants to fight him he's also very well built and he's a real soppy thing so it's never that's never turned out well until he gets then he gets aggressive and he will he'll, he'll, he'll fight back and because he's so big the kids to fight him are usually half his size and they end up going to flying across the classroom so and he'd get in trouble yeah so it's it's not really ideal for him but he's a he's um he's come on leaps and bounds he's done well he's been through school um very basic qualifications And then he's gone and done um, specialist college when we were living in the Midlands, which was fantastic for him. Gave him a lot of self-confidence. And now he just wants to chill and game. And at the moment, we're happy for that. He doesn't need to work. We think it'll be a lot more complicated for him to work. Hmm. So we we just let him kind of get on with life, make sure he gets exercise and gets out of the house. And he can't rot in his bedroom. He can't leave dirty plates lying around and (laughs) basic stuff. But if he wants to game, he games. So you know he makes his own youtube videos and he's a doctor who addict and um oh really yeah he's got his own doctor Who youtube channels and things and he's a, he has a lot of fun so he's a he's a happy lad he's a good boy
0: so then is it ben who came next
1: yeah then it's ben yeah. so ben was born uh 2002 so we've been together a couple of years and quite soon we, we had a really difficult time when he was born he would not take milk he would just We'd bring it back up every time and they were oh it's colic oh it's this oh he's got a milk allergy and we he was weaned at three months old he was actually going on to solid foods at three months old obviously liquidized and things but and he from when he should be aware and when he should be reacting and interacting he just wasn't he missed every single milestone and i think it hit me most he was 14 months old so it was christmas time 13 months old it would have been christmas time and we bought him one of those little kiddie cars that they all have with a, with a plastic roof over the top
0: yeah
1: and i put him in it and took a picture and the picture when it came back from snappy snaps as it would have done in those days that wasn't on your phone and you look at it it's just this kid looking into space he couldn't care less that he was in this kiddie car mm. and it just we sort of looked at each other and thought, there's something not right, is that this isn't, you know, as well as having a very difficult babyhood. And we um, asked the health visitor who was pretty good because usually we'll get us stop fussing.
0: Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Especially the, at that the, age.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, he had his first assessment at about 14 months old. And then he had a couple of little, you know, visits from different people. And at 16 months old, he was diagnosed. So he was pretty young. And he's, he's, you have to be careful with the terminology really, but he's, he's, he is severe. He has yeah. severe needs. Um, he's severe learning disabilities. He's nonverbal, but he's also non communicative. So he doesn't understand language what we give to him. So that can be quite challenging. He doesn't communicate with us at all apart from dragging, it would take our hands and point it at something. Yeah. And that's only to very minimal, the three or four things elite and the things he wants in a shop. Um, which never toys, it'll be a CD on a shelf because he just loves his music. Other than that, he doesn't have any need to interact or communicate with us. He's he's loving if you want him to be. You go and give him a hug, he'll give you one back. But other than that, he doesn't come searching for it. Okay. And he could be quite a, a miserable role, you know, he doesn't want to join him, but he's a lovely lad, he's happy, he's quite content, he loves school. And he's, yeah, he's just plodding through life, really, which is, I wish there was more for him sometimes. And I know there's not a lot in adulthood, which is a bit of a worry because that's approaching fast.
0: Yeah, we'll definitely we'll, we'll come onto that in a bit because I know okay. that's, that's sort of something that that you're quite passionate about.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
0: Okay, so so Ben was diagnosed around four, uh, 16 months, and then I'm assuming he went to a special needs school
1: in the early days. Yeah. yeah, he went to a special needs nursery straight away, yeah. and then special needs school straight in. No, no questions asked. It was and not, that was easy. It was amazing how easy it was because he was so so in need of we didn't have to fight for anything we were lucky um there would be no other way they could educate him to be honest so so that's been that's been fairly easy he's changed school a few times and each of those moves which you think would be quite traumatic have been really easy for him he's settled in well he actually has one-to-one school uh, one-to-one support even though he's in a special school and he's always got on with his tas and in his current school he basically um looks after the chickens spends time in the polytunnel and goes in the sensory room because they've got to a stage where if he's not learnt numeracy and literacy and colours and shapes by the time he's 16, why are we bothering trying to push that? Why don't we do life skills and have yeah. fun? Yeah. Which is how it should be, really. And give him a good time and make sure he's happy. It's, um, so, yeah. And then your daughter? Aisha, or A-Y-E-S-H-A. It's a bit of an unusual name. She's 13 now, and she was... We knew from the age of probably three that there was something. She was, she had needs, and I'd assumed straight away she's autistic. I was working by the time she was three. I'd set up a care centre and I was working with um, hundreds of children with special needs and disabilities and autism across a project I was running. So I had a bit more awareness than I did in the beginning, and it was fine. But no one would listen because she was fairly able. Mm. um but she she hit most milestones but she just couldn't make friends couldn't share there's lots of situations she wouldn't tolerate she used to have the most amazing meltdowns not tantrums they were definitely meltdowns and emotionally drained afterwards let's take an hour almost sleep for an hour almost like a seizure type of you know post-seizure exhaustion and we fought for a bit we pushed harder when she got into primary because by the end of the first year she was a year behind she'd gone nowhere and by the end of year 2 she was like 18 months behind so this is hold on we're going we're only going backwards almost here. yeah is, so
0: she she still had no diagnosis at that
1: time no she's only yeah. had a diagnosis 2 years now oh wow okay it took us 8 years to get one agreed so that was a frustration mm. so i've seen both both ends of the scale i've seen the really quick simple diagnosis and i've seen the have to fight everybody and threatened to take them to court type diagnosis. And when she was finally diagnosed at 11, it was like, um, I don't know why anyone hasn't said this before. She's clearly autistic. It's like You just bang your head on the wall. It's really not helpful to hear. Is it? It's a, right.
0: And was that because that. I know you mentioned you moved a, a couple of times. Did you get a diagnosis because you'd moved? Like, was it a different area yeah. than before?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we moved down to Devon when she was nine. And we'd been trying before and been basically ignored. She hadn't even been started to be assessed. Couldn't get anyone to take it seriously. And when we moved down to Devon, we just pushed harder and it happened. And it was, yeah, it was um, definitely that it was a different, different people. It was still a challenge. We had the Ed Psych saw her first because the school were really supportive. Um, we were lucky. She was in a primary school with 26 children, only two classes. And there's only two in her year group. And she just stood out immediately. And um, the teacher was great. The head teacher was great. I mean, that's about it for staff. But the um, they had a Senko who went over a few schools, and she was brilliant. And got an Ed psych in, who said, you know, I'm not allowed to diagnose, but if she's not autistic, I'll retire. She Really? She's just, yeah. He said, uh, I can't even say that, but if, if, yeah, if she's not, then I will go. And um, he did actually write it in a document and got in trouble with it from education because they don't like it at all. He's like, you're not meant to be diagnosing children. It's ridiculous, really. But everything was just coming out as, um, you know, a, a classic autism di- you yeah, know, level. It was just the, the real tick in the boxes. But because she was a girl, she was masking quite well on some things. Yeah. Uh, but she's always, Aisha spends a lot of time on YouTube learning how to be a young girl. She watches videos of children playing and she then goes and plays how they've played, if that makes sense. So she's, and she used to come home and spend hours replaying her day with bits of paper or bits of cardboard or bits of wood she'd have some little jenga blocks and write all the children's names on them and replay the day over and over again because she couldn't work out why something had happened so she sort of taught herself to cope which is great but it's also not helpful when you're going for the diagnosis because ah she's, like, oh, she's fine and so yeah it took a little while but we got there
0: so it's intriguing what why it seems to be in girls so much that they mask so well and
1: that... it's isn't it it's just amazing isn't yeah. it it's like, well, very... why
0: are the boys at a similar age or a similar place on the spectrum why are they not masking as much
1: yeah one of my thoughts is that um it's girls and boys behavior so yeah if a if a boy in the playground isn't running around being loud he's walking around holding the um the dinner lady's hand or he's sat on a bench being quiet you might notice him or he might they might might be or he's a bit shy um he, he he might stand out but he's you know it's um if a girl's doing it sorry she she's she's a bit shy if that makes any sense mm. if a boy's doing it it looks a bit out of place so um two girls want to just sit and talk about dolls but really they're sort of 12 13 years old oh that's okay they're just a bit young whereas if a boy's doing it they'll be picking that up straight away i do think there's a bit girls have just gone under the radar and then they leave school find the first boyfriend first person to show them love and affection they'll marry they'll have children they'll go through life happy plodding along but actually how what have they missed Hmm. by missing out on their autism how much of life have they missed and they've just gone on the route of what they're meant to be they think they're meant to just be this housewife or do this job they've been given and carry on with it forever but i do think boys by not being boys by not running around and being rowdy and loud that's one way they're picked up um not not playing team games and things as such not fitting in whereas if you think about back to your school days in the playground there were girls sort of sat on the benches and sitting in the corners chatting away a lot of the times and seemed a bit more okay didn't it
0: yeah that's that's very true.
1: It's not the answer, you know it's still massive what well, you know how come boys aren't masking and yeah it's yeah it's fascinating, and it's sad as well because I don't believe personally, I believe it's probably fifty fifty. I don't believe that more boys are autistic. I think the, especially at the rate that girls are now being diagnosed in the last few years really it's accelerating, and I think it'll be quite sad to find that we've missed so many girls over the years. You're right. I think it's
0: it's going to change a lot in the, in the coming years, and I'm sure there's even you know people who we may know in, in common, you know, who who seem to be getting diagnosed as you know, yeah. as much older as you know, autistic women. Um, yeah, that seems to be a lot more common.
1: Yeah, it's um, but it's great that they can their lives suddenly really make sense. Yeah, it's a shame it's so late, but it's it's great that suddenly things start to fit together. It's uh, it's tougher. Yeah.
0: So okay so what's it like at home you've had three autistic children all living <laughs> together um, you know what's the dynamic like when they're all together under the same roof
1: so Ben doesn't interact with anybody so yeah. he's got his he's got his own room and Ben's um, for the last four years five years had a downstairs bedroom because he broke his back twice so he broke his back yeah, he wow. fell he fell. Fell over in a playground at school. Oh, it's a bit of a story in itself, really. And then was sent to hospital because he wouldn't cooperate. They sent him home and he was bed bound for three weeks in pain. Then nine months later, he fell top to bottom down the stairs, knocked himself out, had to go into Birmingham Children's Hospital. When they managed to x-ray, um, they did a um, CT scan on him. They said, well, he's fractured his spine, but He's there's an old fracture. He's done it before. We thought, Oh, that'd be Easter then when everyone said you're not cooperating. So yeah, so they don't have his back's a little bit delicate, so we avoid stairs. He's very clumsy on stairs anyway. I think he's probably got dyspraxia with everything else. There's no point even looking at dyspraxia. It doesn't really it doesn't really matter, but he's he's not confident on steps, so we have downstairs bedroom, um, for Ben, and he just sits in there loudly playing music and um shouting at people if they go near him and then Aisha tends to she likes being around people so she will play in the lounge she'll take over the coffee table and have toys everywhere absolute tip Mandy will clear up and it will look lovely and then she'll she'll be saying shall I take a picture because you guarantee Aisha's been home 20 minutes and it's just an bomb absolutely she's into horses and she just got sets up her stables and horses everywhere and bits of paper for hay bales and bits of paper for children riding but she likes to be around us and have telly on and things like that sammy likes his own company he likes to be upstairs aisha and him get on really well we, we've always said sammy's probably got a mental age of about 11 12 and she's like a, a young young teenager really And they both like WWE wrestling. They both like Doctor Who. Um, They both like gaming. So Aisha will go and spend some time with him, but he'll boot her out after a couple of hours because he wants his own space. But it kind of works quite well. They're in three zones almost. And um, (laughs) we've never had any fighting or anything. Um, Aisha and Ben don't really communicate. Ben and Sammy probably don't know they live in the same house because they're not awake at the same times and (laughs) don't even know they exist. (laughs) So, yeah, it's... It, them three as individuals is is absolutely fine and life just happens. It just you know how it is, mate. You just have to get on with it, don't you? And um, people go, you know, how do you do it with three? Well, how do you do it with two? And how do you do it with one? Yeah, you just just have to. Um, That's a fair point. It, get, it gets stressful. We have we have moments. we choose to live very remotely. We moved down to Devon from um, Dudley in the West Midlands. We moved down to a very quiet area in in devon and we had an opportunity to buy a house so we moved to wales where we could afford something and we live our nearest neighbor we can't see or hear and we we live sort of um, there's a tiny village a mile away nearest towns 15 miles away um, and in the village there's only one shop and we just don't see anyone and we kind of like that we're not recluses but we we we've got our kids yeah we've got our big garden we've got our dog and our cat and we live our own life. We don't have lots of people in and out. Um, gets a bit. Sometimes you wish a bit. Talk to people a bit more. You know, it's lovely chatting to you today. It's it's nice to sort of you know communicate with people. But um, Mandy and I are close, and we uh, we just have a, a great life really. And the kids are fab. And as it's challenges, Ben's eating routine winds us up a little bit because he only eats toast and he constantly grazes. So he constantly has toast made in a certain way. So it takes five, ten minutes to prepare. And then he'll literally eat it in a minute, bring it back for the next one. <laughs> and you sort of, just as you sit down, he's like up again. And then there's a ten-minute gap and then he's doing it again. And yeah. it's all day. And sometimes you just give me five minutes. But he won't. Ben would out um, wait anybody. He will literally stand there with his plate in his hand um, longer than anyone
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know that feeling. I've got two grazers who, uh, I mean, yep. luckily they a much wider variety of foods but yeah they're all day constantly uh dragging you back to the kitchen cupboards yeah um, n- <laughs> never seem to be full
1: yeah it's, it's a nightmare and as soon as ben is full he um he does his business we'll say and uh, then he wants to go again you'll start yeah. eating and he would literally just <laughs> and you know that happened two or three times a day if we let him yeah he's um ben doesn't eat for pleasure he eats for function um we've been told so he has absolutely he only eats toast literally he'll go through two loaves of bread a day if we let him and he eats because he feels he has to eat and fill himself up um but he's not enjoying it and he's only drinking because he's eating which means when it's hot he has to eat lots because he wants to drink lots and it all just makes us makes the cycle all a lot faster mm. so it gets a bit frustrating if you sort of want to do something in the garden for a couple of hours you, you can't even mow the lawn without having to come in five times it's a then it's a bit like just give me an hour and then yeah. uh, then i'm grateful for school days summer holidays are quite tough in this house. i try and stay positive I, you know I try, I try really hard but yeah, there, there's some days when it's a bit much but, um i've also got i remember i have got three amazing kids and i you know i could be a lot worse off so
0: so it sounds like you and mandy have obviously made a lot of Adaptations, should we say, to sort of how you live and to ensure that the kids have have the best out of life. I don't know, like, how how do you cope having sort of three full time kids to look after?
1: Well, I I had to give up work partly by choice. To be fair, I was mentally struggling. I, I had a breakdown in two thousand and uh, two, two thousand and three, the year after Ben was born. Everything hit me, especially just after his di- around his diagnosis, mm. and I got worse just after his diagnosis. Um, I was struggling. I had a job I wasn't liking. I was I was trying to hold down two jobs, run a business. I just it was ridiculous. My life was a mess, and no time for family or anything. And I just completely burnt out and had a nervous breakdown. And it took me a few years to recover. And even to this day, I mean, you see some of the stuff I write about. I'm very open about my mental health yeah. and. I think that's really important, um, especially especially for men, especially for dads, and especially for dads of autistic children and children with disabilities. It's absolutely okay that you know sometimes you break, sometimes your head feels a bit rubbish. Um, because anyone who doesn't is probably lying. To be fair, you know it, sometimes you're gonna, get, it's all gonna get a bit much. So I took the decision to become full time carer, and Mandy went all way. Always wanted to be a nurse, and so she went off to university to train. And did that at the moment. She's taking a career break. We're taking a bit of time out mainly because we think when Ben's 18, 19, he's going to be pretty much home full time. So then she's going to, then she's going to go back to work. (laughs) 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 We've sort of retired temporarily to take a bit of time together, but she said, yeah, they'll pop back to work when he's, when he's full time at home, which is great. But yeah, we, uh, I, I, I became full time, full time dad, full time carer and. I got bored of it after the first day, and um, I went off and set up a charity and all sorts of wonderful, weird things. But always the kids came first. I was home for time for them when they get home from school. I was at home if they were poorly. I was at home holidays and weekends and evenings, and it just works around the kids. And if if they have to come first, Um, so it's also a great excuse if you don't want to go somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, sorry, I can't make it. it's like yeah you you just sort of change your life i guess it's in in the same way as you do when you first have a child if you go from not having a child to having a child and your friends will change overnight and because those who haven't got kids will just be bored of everything you're saying and um you just don't have time for each other it just life changes doesn't it um having kids with special needs it just changes a bit more i guess and you spend a lot more time in hospitals and clinics than, than most people
0: do yeah definitely <laughs> you mentioned that uh that obviously ben's got a couple more years and then and he's going to be finishing school and like i said earlier i know i i've seen you sort of speak and write about should we say the lack of provision available for for adults with disabilities yeah. what's from your experience, obviously you're, you're quite a few years ahead of me in, in terms of how old our, our kids are. What is there out there at the moment?
1: Very little. I mean, I'll be honest, I haven't made it easier for ourselves moving to the middle of Paris yeah. in the middle of Wales. And we're, I'm very aware of that. So I don't blame the system for that. But I was in the middle of Dudley in the middle of the West Midlands. And there wasn't particularly anything then outside very typical daycare provision which I, I wasn't interested in, in that, certainly in what was being offered. Certainly wasn't anything for Sammy. And always very much about employability, which won't work for Ben. Yeah. And I was involved in the employability stuff for a while. I had a carer's cafe, and I employed people with learning disabilities to help work in the cafe. And I had um, a bar and an events place all, all to raise money for carers. And we worked with people with learning disabilities to give them opportunities for employment, and that was everything from cleaning to setting up for functions and things. But I wound myself up with it that the only opportunities for people with learning disabilities tend to be catering or cleaning. And there's a, a conversation going on, on on one of the Facebook groups at the moment I was having with um, with bringing us together or um, the, my, my family our needs, uh, just about talking about employment for um, adults with special needs. And it's it's great, but it's always the same thing. And then I read an article today about a young man. Um, I search every day for news about news stories about disabilities and autism. And then I share the stuff I'm interested in. And I share one about a young lad called Elliot who's finally found a job and he's really happy. And he's cleaning. And it's talked about the organization has now placed five people in cleaning roles. And they're really proud of it. And I'm thinking... It's the same stuff. <laughs> it's, it's great, and I'm, Elliot's really happy. That's really lovely for him. But is that what Elliot really wanted? Nobody ever stops and says, "Elliot, what would you like to do with your life?" Yeah. And could we? Can we make that happen? Elliot might be able to run his own business. Who knows? Until they ask Elliot, and people might think, "Oh, he's gone mad now." But why? Why not? At the end of the day, he's not stupid. He needs support, and I've seen people with seriously profound disabilities running organizations with a team around them. You know, they're the brains of the business and they got people around them doing the stuff they're unable to do because of their disability. And five years ago, 10 years ago, we would have laughed and said, oh, he can't be doing that. But it's becoming absolutely acceptable and that's how it should be. Unfortunately, the provision out there tends to be, if it exists, it's now privately run daycare provision because local authorities all been outsourced um, or shut and to be honest, it's not far off where where you'd stick your granddad. It's not, and I just don't agree with it. I don't think it's what we want to be doing. There's more to life, or they end up spit, sitting and painting with potatoes all day. And it's a, you know, I can I can chuckle about it, but after a while, it's not funny. And is that what we really want for our kids? And part of me is, like, it'll get Ben out of the house for a few hours a day. Yes, it will, but is there a cost to that? And is that what I want him to do? And yeah. Is that the only thing he can do? And you'll have this in a few years. It's a, it's a. There's an, an internal battle to be had of it.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's something. If I'm honest, that I've been too scared to even start looking at. Um. I don't. I don't blame. I've got another eight years for Jude. So I guess in in my mind, I'm hoping things somehow dramatically improve, not only through Jude's own development, but also through funding and things that are available that um yeah that there's a big big change in things but but yeah i you're right what is there out there that 18 to 18 plus person with autism is made available for them
1: yeah it's exactly that and it's about so sammy's just got um approved for direct payments which you probably know about um He's getting six hours a week, and he's going to employ a buddy, a PA. They get called different things in different areas. Um, he'll have a personal assistant. We're looking for a guy with a car, who a young guy with a car, who will basically go out with Sammy, go and have a coffee, go shopping. Yeah. He wants to go down to Cardiff, see Doctor Who stuff. He'll want to go to Comic-Con every year. He might fancy a concert every now and then. Stuff that I can't be bothered to do, but also Sammy doesn't want Dad to do. You know, yeah. you don't know want your mum and Dad there when you're 25 years old at a blooming concert. That's, yeah, <laughs> that's very, as bad yeah. as it gets, isn't it? And Sammy's able to go to that stuff, but he needs full support while he's there, and he needs to get there. But that's great, and he can save his hours up. He's not going to go out every week with somebody. He might have you know nothing one week and 12 hours the following week, or he might have an overnight stay in London or something. That's that's good. That stuff needs to be invested in, and more of that. But everything else is pretty much small organizations or charities picking up some funding, being clever with money, and coming up with innovative projects or not innovative projects. I'd like to think they're all innovative, innovative, but they're not. Some people are getting clever. Some good social enterprises starting up. But all David Cameron's big society, which never happened, that should have happened What they did is they shut down, I don't want to get too political, but they shut down one end of the market. They said, right, we're not going to fund this stuff, which conservatives don't want to do. They don't believe in nanny state, which is fair enough. But then they didn't help big society really take off to anything. So they didn't fund it. And there's no money to then, you can't do something with nothing. Yeah. And people need the investment. And it comes down to they start saying, well, it's going to cost you mum or dad or carer and they want 20 pounds an hour (laughs) and you can't afford that for a six-hour project five days a week
0: no that's it and especially you know you're having to stay at home to be able to to care for for the kids as it is you know how how do you afford to to then pay for you know your your young adult to yeah to have something to do
1: it's hard it's it's it is scary. I don't blame you for not looking. Um, I, I wouldn't look if I didn't have to. Um, but I am. It is crossing my mind, and it's. We had somebody come along to Ben's last. Um, he just had an EHCP, but moving to Wales, it's statements again. We're back to we've gone backwards twenty years. But we had his last review meeting, and they'd brought somebody in from whatever the organisation's called, and she's there to look at what's there for Ben for transitioning, and she she hadn't met Ben. So she started talking about job opportunities in college. And we said, it's not for Ben. Yeah. And, she's like, and it took her 10 minutes to realize that Ben is so severe needs. And she's like, oh, well, I don't know then. I'm going to have to go and research. We never heard from it ever again. She ran away really fast. <laughs> but but the, the truth is there isn't anything. And I don't blame Powis. I, I do blame central government for a lot of it, unfortunately. that's That's the way it's going to have to be. There are people trying to do some clever things, but there aren't enough people doing clever things, and they haven't got enough money. And we need we need more people doing more stuff, but the money's got to come from somewhere, and it shouldn't have to come all come from the parents, really. It's uh, you know, at the end of the day, if I said I'm not doing this anymore, I'm I'm going. You have my three children. Um, I've been told categorically Ben would cost a million pound a year to care for, and the other two would be you know half that. But it's still a lot of money. So £2 million to look after my children. Even if it's £1 million to look after all three, I think you can put some money in to make sure that I don't give up caring. But they don't. They rely on you and me and all the other people to just carry on, knowing that we're not actually going to turn around and go, oh, we're packing it in. Um, so they don't have to fund it, don't they? And It's it's sad, isn't it? It's...
0: it's really sad. And I know I've spoken to parents who have used that threat before, for yep. their much younger children to um to get help because yeah they've begged and pleaded and it's gone on for months and months and months and then even though they're not ever gonna leave they've had to threaten as if they were and yeah it's sad that you know that's the point you have to get to
1: it is sad, yeah
0: in an ideal world if there was all this funding available, like what would you imagine life would be like for for Sammy and for Ben when he finishes school like what what would you like to see available?
1: Sammy, I think, would just like to access day stuff, like almost like an adult youth club mm. would be great for him. Go along, have a game of pool, a pub, but safe. Yeah, he's not going to get into a fight when someone he knocks into someone because he's got terrible coordination and he will knock a drink over somebody and he will then blame them because Sammy's never wrong. Um, uh, but somewhere safe where he can just go and chill out and have a laugh and if he does get upset someone can support him and help him to understand what's going on possibly work opportunities but it's got to be something he wants to do sammy's got ability to do a job but it's got to be the right job and it's got to be supported so it have to be the right environment it'd be great if he was working alongside one person for example in a safe environment but in a supermarket it would just never it would fall apart day one um because he'd he'd start fighting with a customer or something or <laughs> you know just tell his boss what he really yeah. thought of him you know it's just never going to go well ben is more challenging but just to have some fun mm. just to access life almost like the stuff they're doing at school so he goes they go out places they go and explore they do a bit of learning and um, they do a bit of cooking even though ben will never eat it I'm, I'm quite happy that it is a daycare type model but it needs to be more than what they're doing the daycare where they can't afford to go out anymore and they're very restricted with the activities they can do you need like a big school with a sensory space and a place to go and run around for 10 minutes and that that's the sort of things that need to exist across the country for our children when they grow up
0: you've hit the nail on the head though that's i've imagined before like a an adult special needs school in a way that yeah you know, as you said has sensory rooms has swimming pools has yeah, you know all the things that they love at school
1: the, yeah, the bikes and the yeah. spinning round stuff in the in the playground and the sensory toys and it's someone's got to fund <laughs> yeah. and the, and and it'd be staff heavy. But then, what's the option? Yeah, it's you know won't be for every kid. But it'll be for our kids. You know, just yeah, it's a tough one. All
0: right, so we've spoken obviously about Little Blue Cup already and how the difference sort of that makes to people's lives. And I know obviously you blog as well alongside that as you said you share sort of news articles and you you do talk about mental health a lot which I think is great and 100% agree it's really important for everybody but especially for for males for dads who probably do don't speak enough about these sorts of things Mm. tell us a little bit about that about that sort of side of things and you know what what you hope to share with everyone
1: I hope that people can start caring for each other a little bit more um Mental health needs to stop being a laughing matter ever because it's too often a joke and we get too many people bringing it up in comedy still. I don't think it's funny. People need to understand it and not be ashamed of it. So if you broke your leg, you wouldn't pretend you hadn't broken your leg. If it was in plaster, you wouldn't wear baggy trousers and pretend you try and walk straight, hoping nobody noticed. You'd get people signing your plaster. I'm not saying people have to sign your head when you've got <laughs> mental health problems, but it's absolutely okay to go, I'm really not coping. Yeah. I'm really not well at the moment, and I just need everyone to understand. And I think one of the things that bugs me mostly about it is the people who mean well, but don't understand, is they'll sit there and say, it's okay to talk. Um, come and call on me if you need me. I'm always there. If you're in the, I don't know your mental health drains, but if you're actually in the middle of a crisis, you're actually in the middle of a i can't cope and i'm not even sure i want to be alive anymore the last thing you're going to do is go i know dave said i could pop around if i ever wanted to you're not going to dave's house you're not going to text him you're not going around there um you're not going to chat with him or messenger you're not going to tell dave what you need is dave to say how you doing mate yeah i'm right no how are you really because you don't look well oh, i'm struggling a bit come on let's go to the pub you know ask twice ask three times when you don't get the answer you're expecting. Or you, the answer you know is right. Um, because they, what's our stock answer when someone says, how are you? It's fine, yeah, exactly. isn't it? It's un- oh, I'm okay. Um, and <laughs> yeah. and uh, people right. often
0: just want to take, they want that to be true. So they take that as as the yeah. truth.
1: Well, also, we don't ask people ask, expecting or even wanting yeah. an answer because we're passing them in the other side of the road. We're just being polite. Mm. So we don't want them to sort of drag us over for a coffee and a chat for an hour because we're too busy. But with our friends and our family and the people we love and, and you know care for in the world, we at least one of us needs to stop and say how are you and check in on them occasionally. I will put it on Twitter every now and then. I just go, how how is everybody? How how are you out there? Because I bet so nobody's asked you lately. And I'll always get somebody to go. I'm really struggling at the moment. And it's really random stranger I've never met on Twitter, <laughs> and it's just somebody thinks they're being asked how they are. That's ridiculous, isn't it? But no no one's asked them. And I think we can really change the world just by trying to understand mental health a little bit better each. I really do. And taking away all stigma. Understanding you're not going to lose your job over it. You don't die. You don't it's not the end. It doesn't have to be if you feel like suicidal or you don't have to end your life to feel better. Um, you know the stats, I'm sure, but it's the biggest killer in men under 45. Yeah, I've, I've sort of
0: learned that over the scary. last couple of years, and yeah, it's scary.
1: If that was cancer, we'd be doing something about it. If it was a virus, they'd be doing something about it. But because it's some it's mental health problems, it's a bit. Ooh, and we've had the adverts in the past, and we've had campaigns. I just don't think it hits it right, and I just will constantly share my. So if I feel that I'm going down, and I'm able to. Because I do still have some really dark days. I suffer from anxiety and depression, and both can be really, really horrible. Um, I don't know how much you know about either, but both of them can completely take over your life. And if I feel myself going downhill, I'll tell people and I'll keep updating them as I, how I'm feeling, not to reassure them, but so they know if I'm feeling bad and they know how it works and they can sort of learn and see my journey. If that makes any sense, a sense it sounds a bit of an odd thing, sort of saying it back, but get people actually interested of what's happening not in a morbid way but people care and I've got quite a nice group of followers who I've never met who really do seem to care and send me lovely messages but I'm doing it hoping people can learn and if one guy picked up and said help me to somebody or one guy went and asked his friend and helped him that's kind of my job done as far as I'm concerned if I could help one person realize there is a, it is okay and I've can be shit and life with you know what life with children with special needs can be bloody horrible you can get some dark days when you don't know what's going on you've had a long day maybe you haven't slept for two days with the kids maybe um you haven't been able to talk to a friend for a while and it's winter and the weather's horrible and your skin and everything can go against you can't it you know your car needs servicing you haven't got any money for anything and you could just feel that it couldn't get any worse and it's times like that you just need someone to help you out and just to go. It's, it's okay. We've been through this. It's okay to feel really, really low. I just think more people need to talk about it and more celebrities need to come out. There are there are lots of celebrities in the last couple of years who come out and said about their mental health, which is good. But more need to because I bet it affects most of them. To be fair, especially in that industry, which is up and down roller coaster. It's yeah. The more people who can share about it, I think the more people will be helped.
0: And I think that's. One of the great things about social media is how it, that conversation is happening more and more now. And people are coming out and saying things. And, and one of the powers of blogging, like you said, you know, you put something out there and you've got followers who genuinely care and who share their own challenges and feelings with you. And, you know, the same for me, blogging has massively helped my own mental health. Yeah. And it's amazing how many messages I'll get from people who are struggling who find it easier to talk to me than they do to their family or friends or because maybe because it's got the safety of online and you're not face-to-face as well but also I guess just because they see something that resonates in you've got a similar story or similar challenges or you understand what what's going on in my life so I feel like I can unload and and say this to you and, and it's transforming for people
1: um I think it is. I think it really is. It's so important. I think it can make such a difference to people's lives. It's it's good on both sides. It's good for you yeah. as a blogger, but it's good for them. They feel like they've got someone they can, you know, they reach out to. And I put all sorts of stuff on my. I mean, most of my stuff is news, but I put all sorts of articles and things. And I get people like, "Don't stop. We need to yeah. know this stuff." And I'm, I'm, they're outraged, but they want more outrage. Mm-hmm. They want to, they want to know that, you know, this stuff happens and. It's um, mental health. I mean, I've been sharing a lot about the autism treatment unit, the assessment and treatment units, the ATUs, where the, the young lady called Beth has been locked away. Yes, um, I think. Been fed through a hatch.
0: That might be how I actually found out about this, this story is, is through one of your articles or from on Twitter. Okay.
1: Yeah, it's basically she's, uh, she's been fed through a hatch and given heavy medication to keep her calm. And her life just fallen apart. Her dad can't get at her. And then when she, it did look like everything was going well, Um, they put her into a three-room unit with a full team of staff, full-time staff. It went wrong. They put her straight back into isolation. And not only that, the staff have gone and reported to the police. They each made a complaint to the police. And she's like, and actually, this is mental health. This is all we're talking about here is learning disabilities, mental health um, struggles and misunderstanding and we shouldn't be locking people away and that's that's where people are going to get scared who's going to reach out and say help me when they hear stories like this he's going to say help my son when they hear yeah, that's stories like exactly that exactly
0: what i thought and getting back to you know services available for adults and stuff is i started thinking well yeah. you know once jude or tommy are 25 and big boys and you know they have a meltdown out in public and yeah you don't want other people to be involved. You want to just keep them at home, away from you know, not run that risk of ending up yeah, in that you wrap situation. Them, wrap them up in cotton
1: wool. you wrap them up in cotton wool. Keep them safe. Um, keep them away from it all. It's it's scary stuff, and it's got to change. And it's it's all the same story. It's all mental health and the complexities of it. And we need to stop locking it away. We I thought we got over that many many years ago, and care in the community, but it seems we haven't. We've got some dark stories in this country. And we need to start looking at different ways of looking after people Um, and the more people are aware the more people can challenge it and say and that's exactly what's happened it's gone all over social media not from my my show you know one of many but people have been outraged and now Matt Hancock who's the um, health minister has ordered an inquiry whether it'll go anywhere we'll wait and see but he's you know said this has got to stop and it's possibly the beginning of the end of these these units which would be lovely because we don't want our kids heading anywhere like those sort of places, no. you know they they need they need a great adulthood and a, a great future, don't they?
0: Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, it leaves
1: me speechless. That story. Um... It's hard, mate, isn't it? It's it's pretty tough going. you didn't have to have an answer, but yeah, it's it's one of many, unfortunately. And that's the other sad thing, I guess, is when you hear stories like that, you miss out on the other cases. We've got one. She uh, Beth's quite high profile now, and people are following her story. And there's other parents who then tweet every time that story comes up, like, don't forget about me, almost, you know, waving their flag, and they're not being recognised. And her dad's going, best dad's going, we need to get everyone together. We need to do something, collect these people and these stories, because it isn't just Beth. No, of course not. Beth's the flag-waving one. one. One of too many, yeah. It's... um. But yeah, that's my interest in mental health really. I've got my own stories, but it's about I feel passionately helping other people. And I think we can we can support each other. And if say if it was a broken leg, we wouldn't be hiding it in baggy trousers, would we? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, before we get to a final question, a couple of things. Firstly, just want to make sure that everyone can find uh all the great work that you do. Um so do you wanna tell everyone how to find Little Blue Cup and your your carers blog as well?
1: Yeah, so Little Blue Cup, um, you can find littlebluecup.org online for our website. Most of the fun stuff happens on our webpage. Just go to Facebook and type in Little Blue Cup, one word, no spaces, and it will pop up and follow along. Um, There is a page called Little Blue Cup Project, which is slightly different. That's more about the story behind it. So you just want the Little Blue Cup page, um, and we will share our searches on there. And you'll find me um, on Facebook by searching for "original grumpy dad" one word, and you'll find my website grumpydad.co.uk. I'm on Twitter at um orig grumpy dad. If you wanted to look for me there, um orig grumpy dad. You don't sound um, like And all the other stuff. I <laughs> yeah, I have my moments, mate. <laughs> I get I get outraged. I'm furious. <laughs> but yeah, I'm pretty chill to be honest. I used to be grumpy Uncle Mark to all my nieces and nephews but um i've got over it. that was that was my uh, depression time but yeah I've, I've got over it a bit now but yeah i'm pretty pretty chilled out to be honest
0: and i just wanted to thank you um number one for coming on today and sort of sharing your story telling us all about your lovely beautiful family um letting us know more about your kids and what autism's like for them and and what it's like for you you five as a family
1: thank you that's no, good to come on thank you for and, having me
0: you know the the way that I found you, the, the Little Blue Cup story and the work that's gone on since then with it is fantastic. I know it's made a difference to so many families like all across the world. Yeah. And it's very clear from everything you do, from your charity work many years ago to you know all the, the stuff that you do now, that you really do care about other people and you're, you're trying to make a difference, which is fantastic.
1: Thanks, James. Appreciate it.
0: So final question just before we go. What's one thing you'd like to leave everyone with to let them know about autism?
1: wow um autism isn't what you think it is Autism's amazing and every single person who has autism is completely and utterly unique and they've all got their own story they've all got their own future they've all got their own opportunities and everybody who has autism should be treated as a, as a complete and utter individual so no we can't build a place for autistic people when they're adults and we can't have jobs for autistic people because they're people that each and every one of them is completely unique and what we should be doing is taking every personality and seeing how we can make their life and their future the best we possibly can and i think that's how we that's how we make the world a better place
0: a massive thank you to Mark for our chat just then i really hope you enjoyed the episode i knew that mark would be a great guest um Not only does he do amazing work with Little Blue Cup and really helps so many families across the world, something that many of us don't think of, but it can, you know, that one item going missing or being broken can cause such an impact on an autistic individual and their whole family's happiness, really. So it's a great idea and I'm so glad that it's taken off. I'm sure you'd agree after that chat that Mark's a really, really dedicated father and it was really interesting to get to hear what autism is like for his children and what it's like for them as a family. So I hope you enjoyed that. Thanks for listening and I'll be a new podcast next week.